before I get started, I want to just wish all the moms in the room, all the moms watching online, happy Mother's Day. You know, I, yeah, come on. You know, for some of you, being here today and just sitting here and hearing me mention Mother's Day is a great act of courage. And I just want to acknowledge that. You know, for some of you, this is a, a day of pain and of grief. You know, whether it's you lost your mom, whether it's you have a broken relationship with your mom, or maybe, mom, you have a broken relationship with a child. Maybe you want to be a mom desperately, and you're not yet. And so I just want to say, as a church, you know, we're called to grieve together and to celebrate together. And so if you're in here today and you're grieving, I just want you to know you're not alone. We see you, and we grieve with you, and we acknowledge the courage it took for you to be here today, and we celebrate that. And for our moms, we want to celebrate you. We want to get behind you, because what you do is incredible, and it is hard you have thousands of silent moments that people miss where you're rejoicing and you've sacrificed. You have, you have laid down your life so that your kids could learn how to love, so that they could be cared for, so that they could be supported, so that they could be shielded from something that they didn't need to take on yet. You teach kids how to pursue Jesus, how to, how to love rightly, how to give compassion and care, how to, how to lead and to step into who they're made to be, how to take care of themselves and how to love themselves. Moms, you give so much, and we're so grateful. We're grateful for who you are. We're thankful for the ways that you have laid down your lives. Some of you have laid down dreams. Some of you have laid down plans in different seasons so that you could give to your kids what they needed. And we just honor it. And so I want to just give another round of applause, all right? Just... And Miss Martha told me that I had to send the link of this talk to my mom. So, Mom, I love you. You know, if... Uh, if I don't know you, my name's Chris, I'm one of our pastors on staff, and I'm grateful to be preaching again today. Um, you know, we're in a series, as, as Pastor Chris just said, two Pastor Chris's, don't be confused. We're in a series called Church in the Wild, and Church in the Wild is a study on the book of Acts, and what we're doing is over the next several months, we are taking the slow walk through the book of Acts. And what we're doing as we take this slow walk through the book of Acts, the, the thesis, the, the main thing we are leaning into is that as the people of God, we are learning that how the Spirit of God works in and through us to advance His kingdom. As the people of God, we are learning how the Spirit of God works in and through us to advance his kingdom. 
That's what we want to experience. We want to experience God doing something deep in us, doing a transformational work in our heart, in our minds. And then we want to give away what he's doing within us. A couple practicals for how you can partner with us. You can partner with those sitting next to you, your family, is one, read through the book of Acts. The book of Acts is 28 chapters. That means you can read it in a month and have a couple missed days and still finish it in that month. Read the book of Acts with, with us. Jump in. There's different apps that you can, you can use. The version app. I think we have some bookmarks out in the back. If we, if we ran out, we'll get some more and we'll make sure you have it. But read through it and see what God would want to do in you as you read the word of God. As you study it, as you dive into it. That's how you can see this come in you. And then I want to encourage you to do something else. I want to encourage you to jump into a life group if you're not in one. And see what God can do through you with a community of people. This summer, summer's just right around the corner. Some of us are looking forward to it with great anticipation. And some parents are going, oh my gosh, summer is almost here. What am I going to do with my kids? The reality is that you, if this summer, if you're not in a life group, jump in one. It's a great opportunity for you to, to share life with one another and to see what God can do through you as well. In this series, we are learning as the people of God how God wants to move in and through us. And today we're going to be in Acts chapter 3. We're going to spend uh, our time in the first 10 verses of Acts 3. And so I just want to go ahead and dive into it and read it. And we'll see where we go from here. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put to beg every day from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. And so he gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk and talk, and he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit, begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Growing up, I uh, played a lot of sports, and I still like to be active. I like to run. Um, I like to try to kick the soccer ball around the office with Andrew. He is so much better than me. like to shoot hoops, like to throw a ball, um, you know, and I can get by. I call myself like a lifetime B-team player. You know, I was never the worst guy on the team, never the best guy on the team. No one's ever accused me of that. You know, I like when I played ba- base basketball in, uh, in high school, I think the most points I ever scored in my entire career in one game was three. 
You know, uh, three free throws. Made three out of four. One game. High score. You know, and, but you know what? I may not have scored, but I worked hard. I hustled. I annoyed people that were better than me because I would just pester them. You know, I was on a baseball team and I was a pretty terrible hitter, but I figured if I'm going to play, I got to play the position no one else wants to play. So I was a catcher. You know, funny story. Um, I wasn't the best hitter. I'm right-handed. And uh, one game we were playing kind of a meaningless game and I was on good teams. It was amazing. I'm like, this mantra that developed in my head was I was a mediocre player that ended up on good teams. And I... I was playing in a game, and I decided, you know what? I normally hit right-handed, but I'm going to hit left-handed today. And my coach let me. (laughs) So no joke, first pitch as a left-handed hitter, boom, home run. (laughs) Never did it again. (laughs) One home run in my entire life, left-handed. I'm like, I don't think I ever even got a hit again left-handed. I was a medi- I, I had this mantra in my head that I was a mediocre player who ended up on good teams. And I think I heard you, Jessica, say, ooh, that's not good. You're right. It wasn't. That mantra fed me for years. It fed me into my career. It fed me into how I worked. See, I'm just a mediocre person. I just ended up on good teams I don't have all that much to offer. I don't have that much value. You know, I'm going I'm to look around and see what other people have, and, and what they have seems to be better. I mean, it even affected how I did life with my family. My family would tell you, I've got two speeds, super intentional and silly. In between, I'm not very good at I'm either like super intentional, let's dive into this, let's talk about how we're going to grow and how we're going to develop and how we're going to be the best ever at this thing. Or I'm dancing like an idiot and I don't care. Like those are my two speeds, but I felt like I needed to be more. Like it was never enough. Because I would look around and I would see what they offered. I'd see what Christy brought to our family. I'd see what someone else was like on the field or on the court. And it was just never enough until God spoke something to me. I thought I was a mediocre athlete, mediocre player that just ended up on good teams. But God said to me, you are a uniquely gifted player who makes good teams great. What he did is he began to rewrite the story. Why? Because God wanted me to see the value that I bring, not just what I don't bring. See, it's so easy for us to recognize what we don't have. How many of us relate to that? Oh, I know what I don't have. See, that's the most fascinating thing about this story to me. Is you see that Peter was very aware of what he didn't have. He knew it. Silver and gold I don't have. What you want, I don't have. What you've asked for, I can't give you. I don't have any gold. I don't have any silver. I don't have any bread. I don't have what you're looking for. But what I do have, 
what I do have, I give you. See, that's the thing that amazes me. Let's read it again. Verse 6, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. How many of us stop at silver and gold I do not have? We just stop there. Sorry. I can't do that for you. I got nothing to give. Yeah, I've got this this friend at at work, but I'm like, I don't know how to. They need somebody else. I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with this situation as a parent. So, you know, I'm just, silver and gold I don't have. See, it's so easy for us to focus on what we don't have rather than recognizing what we do have. We're not ignorant to the fact that we don't have some things. Peter wasn't ignorant to the fact that, hey man, I don't have any money. He, he wasn't blind to that fact. He just didn't let that stop him from giving what he did have. Today, we're going to spend our time talking about what is it that keeps us from recognizing what we have and then from giving it away? What keeps us from seeing it? And then how do we go ahead and then give it away? But before I... I dive into that. There's, you know, there's just one thing I don't want to blow by in this story. You know, I, I felt myself doing it as I, I've, I've preached on this passage before. I've read it before. And as I was reading through my old notes, as I was reading through different commentaries, I caught myself and others flying by something that shouldn't be flown by. And it's the fact that a guy was supernaturally healed. Because what he was given was the Spirit of God. And I felt so convicted. And here's why I felt convicted. In a, peer, in, in, in a desire to not appear overly spiritual or hyper-religious, at times I will not give people what I have, which is the Spirit of God. may not be what they asked for, but I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll just ignore the need. Peter didn't ignore the need. Before we get into how do you recognize the value of who you are and what God's put inside of you and, and how, do you, how do you embrace that, let's not fly by the fact that Peter said the most valuable thing I can give to you is the Spirit of God. Church, in our culture, in our world today, what people need is an encounter with the Spirit of God. When you don't know what you have to give, say, you know what I do have? I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'll give you him. I'll step out and say, you know what? And I don't know, but here you go. Here's the spirit of God. I'll take you by the right hand. I'll risk and see what happens. That was a risk for Peter. A risk for Peter to say, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. And just grab the guy by the hand. And believe that something was going to happen. To be talking with a neighbor and say, I I may not have the cup of sugar that you need, but can I pray for you? And trust that the Spirit of God wants to show up for them in that moment. 
He wants to release something to them and in them. Let's not fly by the moments where the Spirit of God wants to come and encounter people in supernatural ways beyond what we think could happen. Let's just be willing to be the kind of people that say, yeah, I might be viewed as overly spiritual. I might be viewed by this person as a hyper-religious. But you know what? I've got something they need. May not be what they asked for, but I've got something that they need. And so I'm going to give it away. I'm going to give it to them. See, the, the reason I think Peter and John were able to do that is, you know, thousands of people had heard Jesus talk. They had stood on hillsides. They had been fed by him. How many people had seen miracles that he had done? See, what Peter and John had not just heard and seen, but they had known him. And because they knew him, they knew the value that they had in them. When you know the value that you have in you, you want to give it away. You want to give that thing away because you recognize how important and how great it is. And the reason I think that Peter and John understood that is because they had heard this. They had been taught this. Jesus had instructed them. You know, there's a story that Jesus told them from Matthew 25 that I think illustrates it really well. How do you know the value of what you have? This story in Matthew 25 is about four people. It's about a master and three of his servants. And I want to look at the the third servant primarily today. Just to understand. See, this third servant was living in a different story than everybody else was. And it wasn't like a fairy tale. It was like a nightmare. See, the, the master in this story has given him an opportunity. But he doesn't see it as an opportunity. He doesn't see that he's got ability. He doesn't see that he has value like the other two servants do. See, he, the story he lived in, the way he saw himself, the way he saw the master, confused his thoughts. And so it then impacted his actions. And it ended up costing him a life of opportunity. So when we don't understand the value of what we have, it's usually because we don't understand the master. It's usually because we don't understand who God is. And therefore we think incorrectly about him and the way we think is the way that we live. Your thoughts inform your actions. Let's read this this passage that Jesus would have taught Peter and John that I think informed how they then acted in Acts chapter 3. Beginning in Matthew chapter 25, it starts in verse 14. Jesus says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. 
So also the one with two bags gained two more bags. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share your master's happiness. The man with two bags also came. Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share your master's happiness. The man who had received one bag came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given much, they will be given an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Three servants with three, with two totally different experiences and totally different perspectives. Two servants encountered a master who was empowering and placed before them an incredible opportunity. One servant saw a master who was hard, cruel, and a crook. You know, if I get really honest with myself, you know, you have those honest moments where you look at yourself and say, all right, tell the truth, self. I relate to the third servant more often than I care to. You know, I put little value on myself. Or I interpret who God is through a negative experience I've had. You know, my first job out of college, I worked for a wholesale tire distributor. Sounds exciting. I know, but it wasn't, it wasn't a glamorous job, um, it was the exact opposite, it was exhausting, low-paying, and filthy. I would come home covered in tire dirt all day after a full day of moving these tires around and selling them, and then I'd, you know, this was like at the beginning of social media, you know, my kids weren't even alive yet. And I'm like, I would get on Facebook because that was the only social media. MySpace was dying out. There was no Instagram yet. And I would get on social media and I would see some of my college friends and roommates and I would see their jobs. And I'd be like, my life has very little promise. 
my life has very little future. I must not have that much to offer. I'm a mediocre player who just ended up on good teams. See, why did I view myself that way? And why did the third servant view himself that way? I think it's because one of the things that robs us from being able to say silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you is comparison. It's comparison. Comparison discounts what we've been given and it confuses the story that we see ourselves in. See, comparison is rooted in insecurity. And insecurity tells you that who you are and what you have is not enough. Who you are, what you have is not enough. See, Jesus tells a story where a master gives out three bags of, he gives out bags of gold based on their ability. The master sees them as people who have ability. And so he gives them gold. And rather than than recognizing the value of what's been put in their hands, just like us, their eyes start going back and forth. At least for the third servant, he's got five, he's got two, I've only got one. Why does he have five and why he have two? Why did I only get one? What's wrong with me? I, I'm, I must not be able to do anything. Never mind noticing that they were the only three servants to get anything. How many other servants did the master have? See, comparison robs us from seeing accurately what God has put in our hands because we get so caught up and what other people have. We get so caught up in recognizing what we don't have. You know, historians think that the, that bag of gold, when you break it down in the context, it was worth about half a million dollars. So if I were to walk up to you today and say, here's half a million dollars to go invest on my behalf, would you think that was not valuable? I mean, surely, I mean, I'd hope you would. I hope you wouldn't go bury it in the dirt and say, here, here it is back. The point is, is we misplace value on ourselves. We don't see accurately what God has put in us. And so therefore, we're not willing to use what God has given us because our eyes are fixed on what we don't have rather than what we do have. Comparison wants to rob you of being able to say, what I do have, I give to you. Comparison wants to make sure that you never actually take the talent that you've been given and say, you know what? I may not be charismatic on a stage, but what I am is hospitable. And so I'm going to open up my door and I'm going to let people in and they're going to feel cared for, they're going to feel seen, they're going to feel loved. I'm going to use what I have rather than not using what I don't have. Rather than being fixated and stuck on the thing that is not there, I'm going to use what I got. You know, I'm I'm a compassionate person. I'm empathetic. And the skills I've developed over time is that I'm a good listener. So I'm going to sit with my friend who's going through a hard time 
who's in a battle with anxiety and with depression, and I'm going to sit with them. And I'm going to listen, and I'm going to show empathy. I'm going to show compassion. I'm going to bring what I have. It may not be what they asked for, but I'm going to bring what I have. You know, I'm going to bring my leadership gift to my team. I'm going to inspire them with confidence and hope by letting them know that I see something in them. You know, I'm, I may not be super detail-oriented, and I may forget things from time to time, but what I do have is a gift of leadership. And so I'm going to bring what I have to my team rather than focusing on what I don't have, rather than getting confused by what's not in me. Silver and gold, I may not have. But what I do have, I want to give. See, what keeps us from recognizing often the value that we have is a misunderstanding of who God is. The third servant had a totally different view of who the master was. In the same way that Peter and John had a totally different view of who Jesus was than so many others who had gone before them. They thought Jesus was a miracle worker, a good teacher, a charismatic guy, maybe a little strange, but they knew him as someone different. He was the one who had saved them. He was the son of God. He was the Messiah. They knew him differently, and so they lived differently. When we know who God truly is, when we see him rightly for who he is, it will change the way that we bring what we have to the table. The third servant, he said, my master's cruel. He's a hard man. He harvests what he hadn't sown. He takes from others. What I want to know is, where did he get that from? Where did he get that idea from? You know, the other two servants didn't see him that way. The other two servants saw him as empowering. Saw him as releasing. Saw him giving a great opportunity. Guys, what's, keeping, what's, what's allowing us to see God in a wrong picture? What from your past is, is a filter over your eyes saying this is who God is? Is it a relationship you had with an authority figure? Was it a, was it a parent? Was it a coach? Was it a teacher? Was it a boss that treated you harshly? So now you think every time you read the Bible that God is speaking to you in a harsh tone? And today he wants to rewrite something in you so that you see him rightly for who he is. Because when you see him rightly for who he is, you'll all of a sudden understand the value that he's put upon you. You know, take it back to Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are standing there. Peter. I love Peter because he's like a, a great screw up who just gets chance after chance. And I identify with that. You know, Peter, you think Peter standing there saying, what I do have, I give to you? If he hadn't 
encountered Jesus on the shore after he had denied him three times and Jesus walked up to him and said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He had to have that image of who God is restored in his heart so that he knew that he still had value, that he still had something to bring. I just wonder if there's some places that you need God to speak to today. Maybe you've, maybe you've got some stuff that you're like, I'm not super proud of this, and I hope no one finds out about it. And God wants to come just like he, he did to Peter time after time after time and speak a word of encouragement to you, speak a word of kindness to you that restores you so that you recognize the value that you have to give so that your eyes aren't fixated on what I don't have but you start to see what I do have you start to say okay God I've got something to give it may not be what they have to give and it may not be what they have to give but what I do have I'll give what's in me I'll give because I believe that it has value. Because I believe that it matters. Because I believe that it has purpose. And this morning, we're going to just take some time to respond to this. You guys can come on out and get set up, band, um, while I explain what we're just going to respond to. You know, first, we're not going to fly by that the Spirit of God does supernatural things when He's given space to move. And so if, you're, if you came here today and there's anything wrong with your body, you've got something off. We want to pray for you because just like that man was healed, the same God who raised that man up to walk is the same God who's here today. And He wants to do something in your life too. So if you need physical healing in your body, we want to pray for it. If you need any other healing in your body, we want to pray for that too. We want to pray that God would show up and meet you with what you need today. At the same time, you know, you might be here and you're thinking, I, I can't see the value that I have anymore. It feels like it's been lost. just been lost. Whether something happened, whether it's just got confused, you can't see the value that, that God has put in you. We're going to have some people up front who are going to be ready to pray with you, whether you need healing or whether you just need somebody to stand with you and, and say, God, would you show me the value that you've put within me? Would you remind me of what you think about me. So why don't you guys stand up? And if you're on our prayer teams, can you go ahead and come to the front? Thank you. If you need prayer this morning, if you need prayer for healing, or if you say, you know what? I don't recognize the value that I have and I just need someone to pray with me that God would break through and I'd see what I'm worth. 
to him. Then I want to invite you to come, receive some prayer. Maybe you just need to get on your knees before God. And you say, God, would you show me again what I need, what I'm, what I'm worth, and just let God meet with you. And we're going to worship, and we'll worship for another song, and then, and then Chris will come up, and, and we've got some gifts for our, our moms that we want you to have and before you head out. But let's not pass this, let this moment fly by us. Let's stay here, and let's let God meet us, speak value over us, and move in supernatural ways because he loves us. God, we invite your, your presence again. God, we just, when we say that, we just say we awaken ourselves again to your presence here. God, help, our, help us to be awake to you here, moving. So God, we just want to respond to you, give you ourselves, and say, would you come and have your way with us? Would you come and heal bodies? Would you restore minds? God, would you rewrite stories? Would you place value on us in ways that we hadn't seen before? Just like that phrase, I was a mediocre player who ended up on good teams. That's the, the, the mantra that some of you've heard. God wants to give you a new phrase today. If you've got a phrase in your head that you've said about yourself, what I want you to do right now is I just want you to Stand before God. Maybe you sit. Whatever posture is going to work for you. But I just want you to picture yourself giving that phrase back to God. If you've got one. Mine was I'm a mediocre player who ended up on good teams. Hand him that phrase. Use your holy imagination to see yourself handing it to him. And ask him to write a new phrase for you. A new phrase that doesn't diminish your value, but that tells you what you're truly worth. God, we thank you for your voice. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're moving in our midst.